0: welcome to another episode of the Mary and Martha podcast, where we gather weekly to concentrate, commune, contemplate, and celebrate how God's word guides us on how to live empowered and purpose-filled lives.
1: That's right, because Jesus' actions and interactions reflected that women are dignified, worthy, and qualified Mm -hmm. to walk in the glory he placed before us. Jesus sees that glory in each and every woman, and we also see it in each and every one of you guys. That's the intention we build upon in our little space (laughs) on Michelle Obama's internet. And so we're glad to have you. I'm Keisha. And I'm Christina. And today we're doing something (laughs) a little special. So as you all know, we partnered with Odyssey Impact. To um, h- host a virtual town hall, yep. and that virtual town hall honestly was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. We cannot thank our sister Erica Saint Bernard. Yes, uh, we cannot thank you enough, sis. That the the conversation was so enlightening and so healing. Mm-hmm. And so, what we wanted to do is we wanted to bring that conversation to our Mary Martha community for those who weren't able to tune in at the time. So, first of all, let me just say that if you haven't listened to last week's episode about whispers and roars you want to listen to that because Mm. that also gives you um, a little insight into the depth of the conversation we had because one of the quotes that came out of the conversation was that sometimes courage is a lion's roar Mm. and sometimes it's a whisper and so God speaks to us in that same way and so we wanted to bring that to you so when you uh, just give you a little taste of what you can look forward to when you're listening to this episode is uh, Erica had dropped all the gems, all she of them. all the all gems. Them. But I just wanted to, I wanted you all to know that one of the most important things that Erica said to us is that our worth is worth speaking up for.
0: Jeez. Like, and oh, say that again, say that again.
1: Our worth is worth speaking up for. Mm. She told us that if nothing changes about who we are today, We are already worthy and of value. Mm. And if that is not in line with what we try to bring to you all every week, I don't know what is. Mm -hmm. I mean, we really just want you all to know that God loves you, that we love you, and that you are worthy of treating yourself with the worth and value that God instilled within you. So with no further ado, we are going to be bringing you um, the conversation that we had with Erica St. Bernard, our wonderful therapist friend from Your Life's Well, where we talked about courage, reclaiming our humanity, and coming home to ourselves. We hope you enjoy. Hope you love it.
0: All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome um to our virtual town hall we are the mary and martha podcast where we gather weekly to concentrate commune contemplate and celebrate how god's word guides us on how to give empowered and purposeful lives
1: that's right uh we are people who are focused on living the life that jesus called us to live so jesus um loved women he thought that women were special he thought that women were amazing and we feel the same way. So his interactions and his interactions with women showed us that we were worthy, we were dignified and qualified to walk in what he's called us to do. So that's the intention we bring to the space. That's the intention we're bringing here today to the virtual town hall. And so we're excited that you all are joining us to talk about something really important, which is the power of our voices. Yes.
0: Yeah, so um, we are here every thursday on all of your favorite podcasting apparatuses um and so for those of you guys who have been listening to the mary mark podcast you know over the last two weeks really we have been talking about the power of sharing our story and one of our favorite scriptures um is from revelations and it says as soon as i pull this up for we have overcome by the word of the le- the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So that's one of our favorite scriptures, Revelation. I believe it's two ten. Let's hope it is because that was off the top of my head. Y'all know I be knowing the Bible sometimes. So let's hope that's what it is. We'll put it in the chat because <laughs> right now my Bible app is not working. you technology. But you know what? I got the real one right here. Let's see. um But we are super excited to have you guys. So Keisha, can you tell, tell them what we do at the Mary Mark Podcast?
1: Sure. We talk. We talk about about women. We talk about the things that impact women. We talk about the things that empower women. We talk about the things that challenge women in our various spaces, um, in our various stages of life. And so the reason why we wanted to have this event today is we are actually uh, partnering with this organization called Odyssey Impact. And we are going to be talking about why our stories are so powerful, how we can use our voices. And uh, for those of you who have watched the movie, then you kind of know some of the themes that we may be touching on today. If you haven't watched the documentary, then you want to watch it after we talk so you can identify how those things can then play out in your life. So um, we're really excited to do this today. And I think that even more importantly, um, in this time where uh, women's voices, where we're really starting to work together to raise our voices in concert with one another, not just to strengthen ourselves as individuals, but ourselves in our various roles. So those roles could be just as a human being, um, as a mother, as a wife, as a partner, as a business owner, as a teacher, as a professor, as a blue collar worker, um, as a babysitter, you know, all of those different roles that we play as women making sure that we are showing up in the fullness of who we are and feeling strengthened in um, who, who we are and who we are. So we're excited to have this conversation with you today. And we're excited to have it with our favorite uh, therapist, Erica St. Bernard and I'll introduce her a little bit later. Yes, so
0: I just want to say for the record, I was right, bloop, but not in the right place. It was, It's Revelation 12, 11. Um, For they have overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, for they did not love their lives to the point of death. So that is what we're coming off of scripture wise, because this is still a Bible based podcast. Um, But we just want to thank you guys for coming and really quick, a couple ground rules. So everybody is muted. (laughs) We did that on purpose. Um, And we will uh, definitely answer questions if you have pressing questions. What we are asking is either you can raise your hand in um, the participant function so if you go to the bottom of your screen it should say participants Um, then a list will come up click on the button that says raise hand if you have a question you can raise your hand or you can put it in the chat so again at the bottom of your screen you have an icon that says chat you can either send it directly to Shakisha or myself or you can send it to everybody but we're more than happy to answer any questions that you have for us Erica or that you wanna pose to the group. So there will be a time for questions. So those are the two ways you do it. All right, so let's jump into our conversation. So um, we are going to talk about the themes um, around sharing our stories and specifically related to the movie, The Rape of Reese Taylor. So for those of you guys who watched the movie, let me just tell you that movie is so impactful and it reminds us of the impact that we can have or more than just our immediate circle when we really speak up and tell our story. So black women are often venerated as the truth tellers of American society, but their experiences of marginalization and prejudice are often unheard. The rape of Reese Taylor is a step to help address this injustice and give Reese Taylor and others like her the long awaited voice she has always
1: deserved. So that's the movie. Keisha. All right. So um, one of the things that is also interesting kind of going on is that um, if you listen to episode 62, The Power of Our Stories, we juxtaposed the documentary, which tells the story of what happened to Recy Taylor with the story of Tamar in uh, Second Samuel. And how she also had to deal with a rape and how she overcame that and, and what, will more so what her story looked like in consideration of what she went through. And so we wanted to have this conversation, but of course, because of the themes that we wanted to talk about, we wanted to bring in um, someone who was a, a professional in this area, um, because we really like to kind of facilitate the conversation, but we don't wanna be the arbiter, the be all end all. That's really the Bible and professionals. So. Those of you who uh, listen to our Christianity and counseling series in January are familiar with Erica. She is a licensed clinical marriage and family therapist and the founder of Your Life's Well LLC, a private practice in Bowie, Maryland, where she sees millennial women and men to include couples, preparing them for life and love that prioritizes their wellness. She provides pre-engagement, premarital and couples counseling to prepare and empower couples for a legacy of love and wellness as an ordained minister, she integrates faith and spirituality at the request of her clients. Erica seeks to normalize conversations about mental and emotional wellness and the intersection of faith for and with people of color. She's also a bomb Black woman. I don't see that in your bio, so I'm just going to go ahead and put that right there. She's also a really bomb Black woman. And so when we're talking about stories, especially how they impact us as Black women. She both has the personal and professional experience to speak on it. So um, thank you so much, Erica, for being here with us today. We love you. We love you. We love you. All right. Anything you want to say before we jump right in? Anything I want to say? Mm -hmm. Just thank you so
2: much, ladies, for joining us. We're super excited to have you in this space with us to discuss this very meaningful um, content. And then we are looking forward to what God will do in our time together. Thanks for the Uh welcome.
1: Yes. Okay, so what we're going to do really quickly is, um, for those of you who didn't watch the movie, there were different things that happened all throughout. It's really a documentary. Um, there were things, di- different things that happened throughout the documentary. So the first thing we want to do is just kind of center you around what we found individually to, mo- to be most personally impactful when we watched the documentary. And then we're going to kind of talk about things. And in between the two, Erica is going to lead us through this guided meditation to kind of center us to really have a really great conversation. So, let's start, I've been talking for enough. Christina, tell, uh, tell these wonderful people, what was your most impactful moment when you were watching the documentary, The Rape of Lisa Taylor?
0: Okay, so y'all know I'm a big history buff and I love history. So I loved when Rosa Parks showed up in all her glory and the fact that we really only know her For one thing which is that she you know didn't get up from the bus and she got arrested but to really hear about the other amazing things that she was doing before that the fact that she was a sexual assault investigator um, and really helped black women share their stories and get to the bottom of justice for me that was amazing when she got kicked out of that room by that white sheriff honey and she was just like you know what I'm gonna come back because this is what I believe in justice is super important and for Reese taylor to get justice is something i'm willing to risk my life for so that was my i'm i know you said don't say favorite but that was my favorite because that showed how much of a boss uh mother parks was
1: yeah so i mean one of the i didn't know this because i'm not really a history buff um but so i'm happy to learn these things as i you know grow in my adulthood i did not know that these were the sort of things that Rosa Park was investigating, um, as a part of her role at the NAACP. So, you know, I'll let me stupid and ignorant, but I was excited to learn about that. So yes, I was, I was really excited to see how she kind of served in an advocacy role and strengthening role for Reese Taylor. For me, there was, um, so all throughout the documentary, there was, um, you know, clips in for interviews from her family and interviews from this Black woman who's a sociologist who talked about, you know, she was con- contextualizing the time and everything that was going on in terms of Recy Taylor. And for her, um, you know, at the very end of the documentary, she is basically talking about, you know, I can do all the research, I can talk about all the uh, sociological things and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But for me, the, she said, for her, the most impactful thing was looking for the humanity, like where was the human, like the humanity they took away from Reese Taylor? Where was the humanity for her? And so I think that uh, it just reminds me that um, when we're Black women doing work that affects Black women, even in when we're doing that in a professional role, there's still a very personal connection between us and the women that we're studying because. Um, her history is our history. Um, What she went through is what a lot of us have gone through. Um, A lot of us are survivors just by the statistics alone. Um, And it it just reminded me that when you're doing that kind of work, your own humanity can't be separated from it. So that was really impactful for me when she said that. what about you, Erica? What was the most impactful part of the documentary?
2: So there were two, I mean the whole thing had tons of layered um, content and dynamics to process. But one of the things that stuck out to me was um, when they were talking about the power of the Black press during that time in history um, and how there was such a movement to make sure that Recy Taylor's story was not just a story locally, but that it took on a national lens and it, it became a story that was you know, written about in the Black press, and that that was the way that they were able to push for a trial, not that it would be a fair one, but to be able to push that it wouldn't just be swept under the rug and it wouldn't be overlooked. So thinking about this, I think one of the people speaking in the film said, the pen is a weapon. And thinking about this idea that we get to narrate, we get to narrate our stories, whether we write them, whether we speak them verbally, whether we share them, what have you, um, our pen is a weapon. The other thing that I, that really struck out to me um, was Recy Taylor's wording. Recy Taylor was said in the video, Um, The Lord was just with me that night. And I think I know so many um, trauma survivors who have a similar space where they struggle to acknowledge that the Lord was with them because of the terrible, ugly thing that happened to them. But here, this woman in, you know, decades past these traumatic events, and we're not even just speaking about the actual trauma and the, the rape, of, rape of Recy Taylor, but we're talking about what it is to live in a Jim Crow South in that time, on top of having been raped, on top of being a woman of color, on top of being a mom, on top of all the other things that were just her life, um, and acknowledging that she was still able to say, the Lord was just with me that night. And the idea that that night as painless as it was could have turned out so differently right it could have been the rape and death of reese taylor but that's not the story and so this idea that god can be with us present with us and we can access him um even in the hardest and most ugly times um and i'm yeah that that
1: stuck out to me um among other things agreed um i was waiting for you to unmute me christina <laughs> i was like Um, But yes, totally agree with that. Um, I I really like what you said about um, getting to narrate our own stories, uh, because that is a part of why we want to talk about the power of your own story and kind of re reworking the narrative that the world gives us um, and deciding what our own narrative is going to be. Um, And whether that comes from a faith perspective or not getting to decide for yourself, what, is my story and what does it look like so um before we start talking about the themes of the movie and by the way everyone if you um, kind of have a comment you want to make feel free to raise your hand if you have a thought that you want to interject feel free to just put it in the chat or something like that let us know that you want to be you know if you want to say something feel free to this is a this is a safe space for you to talk about what everyone want about okay Now, um, before let's get into the themes that we want to talk about from the documentary, um, the themes that kind of help us to tell powerful stories about ourselves. Um, But I know that you wanted to start with this guided meditation, so Mm -hmm. I'm excited to let you go ahead and lead that.
2: Thanks. I'm excited to do so. Again, for those of you who joined us after the moment of greeting, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thanks so much for joining us. And I would encourage you and even invite you in this moment to make yourself comfortable wherever you are. I invite you to close your eyes or to soften your gaze as you lower your eyes to the floor or to some inanimate or unmoving object. And I want you to f- consider feeling your body supported by whatever you're sitting on. Maybe it's the bed or a chair. Maybe it's the sofa. Maybe it's the floor. Maybe you're resting up against the wall. Wherever you find yourself, I invite you to feel your body supported by what is holding you. I invite you to inhale deeply through your nose and to exhale fully through your mouth. Inhale deeply to receive what you need. Exhale fully to release what you don't need. Inhale deeply the presence of God and exhale fully anything that opposes it. Once more, inhale fully through your nose and exhale deeply through your mouth. Now I invite you to listen with your ears and with your heart. God, as your daughters, we enter this virtual space and time knowing that you are with each of us and that you are for each of us. Thank you for your love that lifts us, your love that carries us, your love that equips us Your love that empowers us. Your love that saves us. Your love that heals us. And your love that frees us. That we might share safe and sacred space with other women who love you. As we gather in this virtual space, allow each of us to feel the presence of your Holy Spirit as you meet us here. May you join us in our respective places, reminding us that each of us, yes, even you sis, belong to God. Lord, we invite you to transform this virtual space by the power of your redemptive love, so that as we seek to reclaim our humanity, demonstrate courage in its various manifestations, and as we engage in the process of coming home to ourselves. Lord, we ask you, to make this safe and sacred space and time for each woman. And we ask that you meet each of us where we are so that we can gain what you have for us during this time together, this day. This is our affirmation. This is our meditation. Amen.
1: All right. Uh, Thank you. (laughs) Welcome. (laughs) I I, I I, love when you pray. Oh my God, okay. The first theme that I wanted to, uh, that we wanted to kind of touch on that came, that was inspired by the documentary was this idea of reclaiming our humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that you kind of saw that was happening, remember I said that the most impactful thing for me was when the sociologist said, like, where is the humanity? So, you know, initially you're thinking about, all right, Uh, When someone commits such a violent act against someone, you are essentially um, erasing Mm -hmm. or attempting to erase their humanity. Like, you don't see me as a person worthy of being treated in a way that shows I have value. And so, like, the way that you've treated me attempts to erase the humanness of who I am. Um, But it doesn't even need to be like in the context of that kind of violence, right? I also think of how people can manipulate our humanity, which is to say, you know, you're a mom, like you shouldn't be dressing like that. Uh, You're a wife, you shouldn't be talking like that. Like you're a Christian, you shouldn't be presenting yourself like that. Mm -hmm. And, And taking the things that make up our humanity and manipulating it. To say what we should or shouldn't do, how we should or shouldn't act, where we should or shouldn't go, you know, all of those things. And so when I think about uh, what Reese Taylor did in speaking up, one of the things that she did was she reclaimed that she was a human being worthy of being treated well, worthy of being treated with value. And she decided um, to reclaim her humanity in that way. And so um, Erica, if you could kind of talk to us about what does it mean for Black women in the face of those who might try to erase our humanity or in the face of those who might try to manipulate our humanity for their own ends? What does it look like for us to reclaim that?
2: I was mute, okay. Christine, stop playing with the mute button. like it muted unmuted okay wait don't push button don't push button um so what, how do we reclaim our humanity i think one of the things for us to acknowledge as women of color is this great legacy of worthiness and and value that we have. Um, And I think when we remind ourselves of that, whether it's through scripture or through, as Christina mentioned, being a history buff, kind of reviewing the history of the women, whether they're women in our lineage or just women in our lineage as women of faith or in our lineage as women of color in general, certainly Rosa Parks, Fannie Lou Hamer, there are thousands upon thousands of Black women that we can look to to remember that there's great worth and value in us and in our story and in our presence. So I think we start there or maybe a global place is there. But I think the other thing is to look at the woman in the mirror, to really spend some time considering that I'm worthy, that I have worth, that I have value, that there is an opportunity for me, for each of us in our own special places um, of life to really remind ourselves of who we are, to remind ourselves, not just of who the other people have said we are, but when we get to the bottom of it, when we think about how do I already add value to the world? How am I already showing up? What ways am I already making an impact? Not that I have to wait until I get to this place, not until I become a wife or until I become a mom or until I do all the check boxes that society suggests, right? Until I get the ring, then I can be this. Or until I do this, then I can do this. But this idea that if nothing changes about who we are today, we're already worthy in God's eyes. And so aligning ourselves, I think, as women of faith with what scripture tells us, right? When um, God was talking to Abraham, he says, tell them the I am sent you. And he's like, well, what does that even mean? And he's like, the I am, I am, Moses. He says, the great I am, right? I am that I am. It was Moses, not Abraham. Thank you for the correction, Holy Spirit. But this notion, again, that it's important for us to identify ourselves in the light and in the image of Christ. Because I think when we do that, it helps us to shake off all the excess weight of the world, all the excess um, kind of things that hinge us to what society says or what the world suggests should be the way we function or the way we thrive. And so I think when we can acknowledge that our humanity is first rooted there, that God loved us so much, right scripture tells us God loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son. And I think about that as a mom, if someone were to ask me to give my only child for some people who were gonna be reckless and wild and do what they wanna do anyway, yeah, I'm not I'm not signing up for that, which is why I'm so grateful that God didn't ask me to give my little person, but that he would be willing to give his only son. Um, and that Jesus would say in the Garden of Gethsemane, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, let your will be done. And I think sometimes in spaces of human in our humanity where we have those moments where we realize that as Jesus did, this is a great opportunity to do something really meaningful, but it also comes at a cost to me. And I think sometimes in reclaiming our humanity, we have to acknowledge that this typically is done in spaces where people are not valuing us, right? If you think about the movie with Reese Taylor, if we think about in the biblical story with Tamar and um, Amnon when she was raped by him and even how she had to use her voice in that space, it's reminding ourselves that our worth is worth speaking up for, that I am worthy I I am worth speaking up for, if nobody else will speak up for me, if and when I'm ready, when I'm ready, when I choose, right? Because every woman won't choose to speak up. And I think that's fair. I think that's appropriate. I think that's okay. So making sure that we're mindful that our humanity matters. And when we align ourselves as women of faith, um, yes, Christina Jones, I am worth speaking up for. That's it. We got to remind ourselves of that. Um, Reminding ourselves again in the mirror, right? Having that mirror talk like Issa Rae does on insecure, like really having those moments where we're like, no, I am so worthy. I am definitely valuable. God sees me. God cares for me. And um, I know that for some people that is a challenge because faith, again, as Reese Taylor was able to say, God was with me that night. I think it's getting to the real place of faith where we can say, we can ask those hard questions of God. I think that's wrestling too with our humanity, acknowledging that God, it feels like you weren't there that night how come this happened to me, right? If if God is so loving and so gracious and so kind, how would this heinous, ugly, disgusting thing happen to me? And so I think the humanity piece is also wrestling with God in that space of getting not so much clarity, like you'll understand or it'll make sense, but that you come to a space of understanding that God still is and that God will um, be a part of your healing process and um, yeah, reclaiming our humanity. Looks like a number of those things.
0: So we got a um, comment from the chat that says, we have a duty to our black girls
1: to reclaim
0: our humanity.
2: Mm, I like it. And I think reclaiming our humanity comes in so many different ways. And so that's a great sentiment though, that we do have a duty because they are watching us. They look up to us. They, They watch us when we don't know they're watching they are mimicking us when we're not in their presence. They're trying to sound like us, they're trying to dress like us, trying to buy lip color like us, like they're really trying to emulate us in all these amazing ways that make us smile. And so this idea that we do have the power with our own voice to affect change and to inspire change and to empower them. Again, I think that was one of the other beautiful themes in the movie, in the, uh, the documentary, um, was this notion that women, women rallied around each other, right? Recy's Taylor, Reese Taylor's sister was there and she talked about what it was like to support her sister in that time and certainly Rosa Parks and there were other women not even just locally but again as a part of that national movement that were um, you know rallying for this woman to be seen as a woman and to be um, to receive some level of justice as they worked through that trial. It's so interesting
1: because you know it's it's not lost on me that you know we're talking about kind of how you started about this legacy of worth and value and it's not lost on me given that it's Mother's Day weekend that for a lot of us whatever it was the first identification of what our worth or value might look like as a woman came from looking at what our mother was doing and like you said like you know for those of us you know with girl children you know they're going to imitate us and that kind of stuff and i felt myself getting a little emotional because you know um you know as a new girl mom um, and as a, a woman who is, like, very uh, intentional about her uh, female relationships, and uh, y- y'all know, I, I make it no secret that I just love Black women, that um, even, even if that figure is not there, when I think about the community of Black women, and I think about things like, um, you know, you might be doing something, and when a girl's like, yes, hair, yes, this, like, you looking good. I feel like it's it's reminding us of our worth. Like even those little things that we we'll sure. say to each other, like that communal reminder. Yeah. Like Absolutely. just make sure you're surrounded by people that if you're not feeling valuable, if you're not feeling worthy, mm-hmm. that you've got like people who can plug in and be like, don't you forget mm-hmm. who you are, right? Absolutely. Like, oh, yeah. honey,
0: black women will see another black
1: woman on the street and be like, hey, polka dots, yes, polka dots. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah this, yeah, and totally shift your mood, totally remind you of your value, of your worth, right? Because you, you paid attention when you got dressed. You, most of us don't just get dressed in the dark and walk outside, right? We're intentional about putting pieces together, choosing those accessories. And so it is definitely that um, a really, you know, genuine, sometimes really affirming, um, affirming, you know, word of note from a person who doesn't know what we're thinking or feeling before their comment comes or before they you know, make that gesture. And so I think it is important, as you suggest, whether or not we've had those positive mother-daughter relationships, or even though you know, if we think about it in the context or community of women. right? I think about even my own relationship with my mom. She's amazing. And God has gifted me with other amazing women who are senior in my life and then other women who are more my peers. And I'm grateful, as you suggested, for the community of women that have created safe space for me to stand tall, but also to fall gracefully, and to catch me when your slip is hanging, and to call me out, and to let me know it's lipstick on your teeth, sis, and to let me know that the way I spoke to my husband might've been a little mean, or, like those kinds of things. But again, I think in the safety of sisterhood, we can have those kinds of um, really meaningful and impactful relationships that allow us to hold on to our humanity, even as we celebrate within each other.
1: Yeah, I was watching, um, I was watching uh, Dr. Amber Thornton, who's on here. Hey, girl. Um, I was oh. watching her live about uh, she's doing seven days of self-care. And she was talking like day six, I think it is, was about building your village and about being intentional about the village that's around you. Because at various stages in your life, you're going to need to call on that village to, like you said, challenge you, <laughs> uh, let you know that slip is showing or just to kind of lift you up and, and be there with you. So um, I think it also is a reminder for us that um, when we see girls coming up behind us, that we're also reminding them of their humanity and taking time to pour into them. Um, so I love that. Okay, so the, the next thing that I wanted to talk about was about courage, because when you're talking about the power of your stories, like you really, it's about being courageous but courage looks different depending on kind of what kind of courage you need at the moment or what what kind of courage you're comfortable pushing forward so courage has many different manifestations right and so uh one of the things when you when you look when you look at the documentary she started by telling her story to the people that she trusted the most so that was like um you know her her close family that she could tell and then she was courageous enough to um, tell her story to Rosa Parks and to the newspaper and let her story kind of get out into a space where she didn't know kind of what was going to happen with her story. She even testified in her trial. Um, and, you know, she also kind of, uh, I'm, you know, kind of, you know, take personal privilege here and had to be courageous in reminding herself who she was, like you said about reclaiming that humanity, talking to herself. So, can you talk about? What does courage look like in its various manifestations? And um, how, how can we be courageous in various spaces for ourselves? It's
2: mm-hmm. a great question. I think one of the things to think about, and we talked a little bit about it kind of in prepping, is this notion of safe space. And I think each of us has to be really intentional um, to build our tribe, to build our village, but then also to identify even within that village or within that tribe, that there are some people who are closer to us and not even just close in terms of proximity, but in terms of levels of intimacy. And really considering who we will decide to share what details with, because certainly everybody is not detail worthy. Like you might tell somebody about um, what you, where you went to the grocery store or where you buy your clothes, but you might not share the personal details of your story with them. And so I think whether it is one, um, a story of sexual assault or trauma or just some other you know pertinent details of your life, choosing who you invite into that safe space is super important I think in the film we see Reese Taylor um, again as you said sharing with her husband and her brother and her dad and they become her village they support her they look out for her literally there's a a caption or a piece of the film where they talk about how her dad sat in a tree with a shotgun and that was where he slept that night to protect his family to protect the you know the, the value of his daughter to protect her humanity because of course um, the good old white folk were coming for her, right? They didn't like that a woman of color was, you know, would dare speak up about um, the, the rape that, that, they, that she suffered. And so this idea that again, this notion of courage is that we would reach closely first and then from there be able to grow and evolve to a bigger circle. And it doesn't say whether or not she spoke to her family and then the police immediately. I think there was in you know, a short bit of time in between that, but this idea that whenever we get ready to share, because I still have clients who, um, a client a few weeks ago kind of mentioned something hinted toward it and then like darted away from it and so i'm waiting i'm waiting we've been working together for a while i'm not going to say sis the other day you mentioned i'm going to give her time because when she's ready she'll be ready and if i push then i may push her away more than i draw her closer and so it's about the, the understanding that when a woman is ready to tell her story whatever her story may be she will tell her story and so i think it is being courageous enough to decide if and when or what to tell. I think it starts there, this notion of who do I tell, but then also the next piece of realizing that some places are safe in terms of the, we get to choose these people, but then some places are unsafe. Like you don't get to choose the people who are gonna be at court. You don't get to choose who the attorney will be on the other side. You don't get to choose you know, all those details, but you ready yourself when you're ready, right? To do that work and you trust that you've surrounded yourself with the right village of people who can support you in that space as you get cold feet or as you decide maybe i don't want to share that piece of the details right and for some people i have some clients who are really doing some amazing work in therapy sure but then also beyond that or in addition to that some of them do blogging they do tons of blog writing some have private blogs that are never shared but for them it is very cathartic and it is a space where they can process though the raw deep dark depths of their feelings. And then for other clients, they do blog and they share bits and pieces. They release you know, small captions or what have you over time. And others just write in a journal in a traditional, traditional kind of you know, paper and pen or um, typing. I have another client who does voice memos and that is her way of releasing it, um, but then she'll occasionally play it back so she can hear her own strength. she can hear her own courage, she can hear her own story. And for her, that's has restorative. And so I think when we, when we consider courage, we have to acknowledge that it doesn't look the same for everybody that for some courage is, I'm reporting this to the authorities, I'm going to go to court, I'm going to see this to the end. For others, courage looks like, I'm going to say that I was raped. Like, I'm just going to use those words. And for some, that is courageous enough. That is, that is as much courage as they'll need to muster. And for others, it will be a bit more focused or a bit more intentional. And so I think we just, you know, making space for people to share their story should they choose to. I think that's a big piece of of what courage looks like, because if we make a general blanket definition of what courage is or what it looks like, we may push some people to the left or to the right. But if we say that courage is like a self-defined, especially in this space, um, you know, for me to tell you that this would be courageous, like, no, sis, the thing that you think is courageous, let's start there. And then with those small steps in the direction of courage, you get to add value to that in whatever way makes sense for you. Because it may mean that maybe you say nothing about your experience in this season of life, but you see a sister who's going down a road that looks similar to the one you were on, or something about her story resonates with you and you share it with her. And in, in that sharing, even if you don't go into the details of your experience, you empower her and you equip her to be more full in her showing up in the world in a way that maybe you weren't able to at the time and you needed to. So I think those are elements of courage
1: that we can consider. And I also want to make this plug here for therapy in terms yeah, of yes. Because for a lot of us, uh, mm-hmm. some of the things that we may need to talk about um, can be so, it, it, cause it doesn't have to be about sexual violence sure, at all. Not at but all. it could be about something that is so sensitive and. Um, so difficult to bring up even with the people that we love Mm -hmm. that we we need somewhere to talk about it where we know that when we talk about it it's gonna stay right there the person's gonna help us to process it Mm -hmm. um and like you said then if we choose to then go and say it to whomever we need to say it to or whatever institution we need to say it to Mm -hmm. then we choose what that looks like in our own time um Mm -hmm. so i'm making a plug right there for therapy yes it's a great
2: plug It's a great plug. And it's a great, I think people, you know, certainly it is mental health month, right? Mental health awareness month. So it's a great time to seek therapy, right? Regardless of what the circumstance or conditions are, but to acknowledge, yes, that therapy becomes a safe space, right? It is bound by laws of confidentiality. I don't know. I don't get to tell anybody that we're working together. I don't get to tell them what we're talking about. I don't get to tell them who offended who and when and what none of those details get released, unless they're present and we talk about the limits of confidentiality but by and large what you say in a therapist's office stays in that therapist's office and so it really creates a space unlike friendship unlike your homegirls, unlike mom and them unlike whoever else at the barbershop the hair salon the nail salon whoever those people are great and you can talk to them sure but if you're looking for an unbiased and very safe space to process to feel to think in the box and outside the box Therapy is a really, really great resource. And again, I don't speak only as a therapist who's trying to get more clients. I speak as a therapist who also goes to therapy. I am Mm -hmm. grateful to God for my therapist. Like I am super grateful because it gives me a space to be. I don't have to be a mom or a wife or a therapist. I just get to be Erica. And we all need a space where we don't have to live up to the responsibility of our titles, but a space where we can just be authentically who we are and then be in a space
1: that's safe where we can get the support we need to live the life we want to live. There were a couple comments in the chat that I wanted to bring up. Once somebody said, "Courage is speaking the truth, even if it's only to yourself." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. I love I, it. I, I would even say that I that is it. probably the most courageous step mm-hmm. because that's that's the necessary first step. Mm-hmm. Is that you you, you got to be comfortable just saying this is what it is um, to yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, um, sometimes you got to go to the mirror and just. <laughs> you know let yourself know what's up wrap mm-hmm. it i don't know but yes courage is speaking the truth even if it's on to yourself and also somebody said therapy is life changing best money ever spent i therapy, agree that's same here mm-hmm. yes let me, um let me ask you if someone has been courageous enough to say something to us um like if somebody comes up um and is courageous enough to tell me Something I did to hurt them, or mm. something. Like that, what? What is the response? Like, is it, I? I know the response shouldn't be. Well, okay. I yeah, I didn't mean to do it. Like, what? What is a um a, a response that helps to affirm that person's mm-hmm. courage? Because mm-hmm. courage, when you're telling someone something like that, there's a lot of trust that's involved.
2: Sure. Right. Sure. I think one of the things that I I do with clients in general, and that this is something that we can take kind of beyond a client clinical relationship, obviously, but this idea that we affirm the courage by saying, you know, I say to clients when they reach out to me initially, I commend your courage in reaching out for support. That's the statement that I make to every client in an email that I write to them. And I say it, even when we get together for the first time, I commend your courage in continuing to do this process. Right. And I think when a person comes to us and says, you know, this hurt my feelings, you said this, you did this, this happened to me, whatever. I think it's an opportunity for us to, one, honor the fact that they value us or value the friendship or the relationship or the sisterhood or the marriage or whatever it is. They value the relationship enough to take a risk. Because as you suggested, being vulnerable, being courageous is risky. But there's so many rewards tied to it that I think if we can look beyond the risk and see the reward or see the potential reward because again the other piece too is you can't guarantee how somebody will receive the information you share with them but the idea that I value this relationship enough to test the boundary to test the limits of it to see if it can withstand us being able to have these real heartfelt conversations where I acknowledge that something was said or done that was offensive or hurtful Um, to me. And then the other person being able to hear that and just make space for it. Now, whether they will apologize or offer an apology, maybe, maybe not. But I do think when we are um, courageous enough to share that this hurt my feelings, that this made me feel a certain way, we are, even if it's not for the benefit of that relationship, it's great practice for us to be able to show up as the full authentic versions of ourselves. Because when we silence our voice, even in small ways, we teach ourselves that it's okay to silence ourselves. And so when we need our big girl voice, it's been muted for so long, we don't really have access to it. Not that it's unavailable, but it's harder to access it. And so the more we can practice those small efforts of speaking up those small efforts of saying this hurt my feelings that joke was it was funny at first but it actually hurt my feelings like those kind of moments we can be really real with each other and have those heart-to-heart moments I think we can um gain the courage we need and then we can model what courage looks like for other people because I think we tend to think of the whiz right the big the the lion who was seeking courage and he wanted to be able to roar really loud and sometimes we are mindful that sometimes courageous roars really loud and sometimes courage whispers And so it's creating the space for both acknowledging the value of the roar, and acknowledging at the same time, the value of the, of the whisper.
1: I love that. Um, I I also love how you touched on, um, the voice and like accessing your voice, because that kind of goes right along with like the third theme that we wanted to talk about today, which was, um, not just about finding your voice, not just about accessing your voice, but also about trusting your voice um what what does that look like like practically speaking like what does that look like if you have been in a situation where um you have been so dehumanized um so devalued um felt so unworthy um and now you have to kind of uh uh, we talked about this in our prep and you refer to it as coming home to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was like, how, how do you access that inner voice? How do you find that voice back and value it mm-hmm. um, in order to then use it? Cause you can't use a voice that you don't, that you can't access, that you can't trust.
2: Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that we talked about, and I think that we're talking about in this moment is acknowledging that um, When our voice has been silenced or stripped away or snatched or in some ways muted or um you know silenced just use that word um it can be hard to acknowledge that um what i'm thinking what i'm feeling is real that you know um what i'm experiencing is hard and so we talked about intuition and i try to encourage my clients to get back to intuition to get back to what your gut says get back to what you feel, right? When we think about, um, we go places and something about it just doesn't seem right. We don't know what just yet, but something about this place is off. something about this phone call seems funny. This email doesn't seem right. Like pay attention to that, right? Like cue into what your body is telling you because our bodies, remember, there's a whole book about trauma that's called the body keeps the score. And this idea that our bodies remember so many more things than our imaginations or our minds can remember. And so when we're in certain places with certain people, it's about really tuning ourselves into our bodies, tuning ourselves into our senses. You know, What is, that, what is it about this that is causing me to feel uneasy? What about this is causing, causing me to feel discomfort? And really getting curious about that because I think for so long, especially with regards to um, acts of violence against us, we sometimes will blame ourselves and so we are in the space of accusation so anything our body is telling us we're overriding it like well it was your fault and if you had been doing this then it's beholden and so it's really getting curious more than we're in a space of judgment and so i'm you know encouraging clients and would invite um, the people listening to be mindful that your body is telling you something your mind is telling you something for some of us we think of intuition and our gut is being holy spirit telling us something and so really tuning our ears um into that process but acknowledging truth that's a lot of work. I think it's hard to do this the work of coming home to ourselves or being able to attune to ourselves if we've not processed some of the other elements if we have not processed the, the truth of the story if we've not and this doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be in a um, you know big picture kind of way where we have to alert authorities and do those kinds of things but even just on an individual space where we acknowledge that this is what happened to me this is how I've been impacted by it this is who I still want to be, even as a result of it, because I think that's the other thing. It's being able to see outside of where I see myself now and acknowledge that there, there's still so much life in me and I don't want to die quiet. I don't want to live a quiet life. I want to live maybe not a roaring life. Maybe I want to live at a whisper, but I want to have a voice. And mm-hmm. so figuring out how we find the voice again, and I think it's about tapping into intuition. It's about tapping into spirit. It's about tapping into the part of us that feels connected to the moment, and learning to give that part of us a voice. And a voice, again, maybe a whisper, maybe you know, a shout every now and again, but giving it the power to, to breathe and to live. Um, and then I think in addition to that, it's really creating spaces where we can um, process whatever we're experiencing. Because to assume that I can come home to myself and avoid myself at the same time is not, it's not possible. So, it's feeling the hard feelings. It's feeling the fullness of feelings because, you know, as much as we talk about, I don't want to feel the painful feelings, muting the painful feelings also meets the happy feelings. Yes. There's no way to cut out certain feelings or certain parts of an experience. You got to feel the whole thing. I joke with clients, like, we got to put our whole self in. We got to do the hokey pokey right here. And we got to put our whole self in and kind of stay in that space for a little bit until Mm -hmm. we can, you know, figure out what's really going on and then gain some clarity. And as we gain clarity, we get to the space where we can say, this is what coming home to me feels like. I am more aware of what I'm thinking. I'm more aware of what I'm feeling. I'm more aware of what I like and what I dislike. Because sometimes in an effort to um, just get back to life when trauma happens to us, we just do stuff that doesn't really align with who we are anymore. Or you know, we just fall into patterns because this is what people expect of us. And so this coming home to self means kind of asking, do I really like the things I say I like? Because I've been eating Italian food because all my friends like it, but I don't really like Italian food. I actually just like burgers. So maybe next time, you know, showing up and coming home to myself will be, no, we're not going to the Italian spot when the restaurants open up. Mm -hmm. We're going to a burger spot. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And I'm sending them, I'm sending them the message now so that they know when the world opens back up, first restaurant, is going to be a burger spot. And maybe that is an affirmation of me coming home to myself because I'm no longer falling into a pattern or rhythm that no longer suits me. And again, that takes curiosity as much as it takes courage. It's really getting curious about who I am and how I'm wanting to show up such that I can make a difference, not even in the lives of other people, but in my own life. Because I think sometimes we get so focused on doing things for other people that we forget our own worth and value in the process. And so it's important when we tap into self, we can be even more amazing in our efforts to show up with and for other people.
1: And I love that, that you use that burger example because it doesn't even have to be something that's like a super deep exactly. sort of thing. It's just like anything that, is, that I don't want to define me anymore, I just need to get rid of. I just, I just need to sideline that. Um, one of the things that we talked about when we were, we were talking about the documentary that uh, you said that kind of you know, really blew my mind was um when you're healing from um doesn't even have to be like abusive or anything like that but when you're healing from a romantic relationship and i asked you how do you learn how to trust your voice again when you're healing from a romantic relationship you told everybody what you told me that i was just like what yeah
2: Yeah, what I said was what a lot of research is suggesting to us, that healing in relationships, healing well, healing from wounds that were inflicted in relationships are healed in healthy relationships. So we have to make ourselves vulnerable again to a different type of relationship. The pattern that we tend to fall into, as you and I talked about, is we're in a relationship, we break up, we do some healing, we get back into a relationship, and then the, the cycle repeats itself. And so this idea that we would do better to heal ourselves in the course and context of healthy relationships, which is why therapy can be so transformative for people, transformative, I didn't say it properly, Um, or transformational for people, is because it's one of the few places in the world where two people gather for the focus and intent of one. Most other relationships, I'm here for you, you're here for me, girl, we're here together, girl. And that's great. But therapy provides a space where, nope, I'm not really, the clients aren't really there for me. I'm there for them. I'm holding safe space for them. I am available for them. I am sitting with them in the hard places. I am challenging them to have the hard conversations, to think the hard thoughts, to feel the hard feelings with support. And that's very different than when girlfriends get together because girl, let me tell you. And as soon as you start to tell them, they are telling you something. And so this constant like, wait, but it was still my turn. I wasn't, fin- okay, I guess I'm finished. All right well we'll try again next time and therapy is this space where again you have that open dialogue and i think it's in that space again where you get to try out some of the things that will allow you to show up in a healthy way in other relationships because therapy is designed to be and intended to be a healthy relationship space and so
1: those don't have to be romantic relationships exactly
2: and that's the other piece i think sometimes we think in order to show that i've healed in romantic relationship spaces, I need to be in another romantic relationship. And I think sometimes again, we can find that in platonic relationships, whether with the man or with the woman, we can experience the restoration and the the redemption that God intends his daughters to experience in healthy relationships that don't have to be romantic at all. And certainly even in those, relationships as we've spoken about before in terms of even relationships with our girlfriends they can teach us things that help us show up as better partners and love relationships and vice versa so this opportunity to avail ourselves to healthy relationships not just because they're good to have in our lives but because of the power they have to help us heal from other things that we're not inflicted in those existing relationships presently but that again we can overcome and work through And um, in becoming a mom you know you talk about the relationships that show up in very meaningful ways Um, and how you get healed even in those mothering relationships. And even in the relationships where you acknowledge that this little person who's looking up to you is a part of your healing still, like how does God even do that? And so it's really amazing and redemptive how God uses the power of relationships and healthy ones in particular to create the safe space
1: for us to do this meaningful work that gets us to a place of wholeness. Yeah, my, my younger sister commented to me the other day that I'm a lot softer now that I have a daughter and i kind of took that to mean that god needed to make me a little softer and that's why he gave me a daughter so hopefully that means i'm a little softer in my other relationships too but no promises yet i'm still healing. all right um okay great um i love i love the points that you made um and those so those are the three themes that we wanted to talk about in terms of the movie and so we hope that you know as you were listening you kind of thought to yourself okay what, is, what are ways in which I can reclaim my own humanity? What are ways in which I can show courage in different manifestations in my own life? Whether it's um, in an intimate relationship that I find to be safe, um, whether it's in a space that I've, I'm not sure what the result of being courageous in it is and just doing it anyway is courageous. Um, and also for yourself, like, how do I show up and be courageous just for me? What, what do I need to be saying to be courageous for my own self? And then finally, um, I hope that you find a way to come home to yourself if you're not home already. Um, and even if you're home, like continuing to be curious to find different things. Like, you know, in a house, you've got plenty of different rooms. And so, you know, I've refitted this room that used to be uh, a guest room into my office and it's, I've discovered something new about my own home. I have something new. And so in that same way, continue to be courageous about, um, and and curious about ways in which you can continue to come home to yourself and to trust and use your own voice. So, um, we're going to close with a prayer. Um, and we've talked to Erica about, um, doing our prayer so on the podcast we call this our power prayer and the power prayer is essentially like just something that is like you know just kind of plug in real quick to give you some strength to keep going and so um one i hope that you will um continue to join us on our podcast it comes out every week on thursday the mary and martha podcast with me and christina Um, and we hope that this conversation has been helpful or healing in any kind of way to you all um, christina anything you want to say before erica does the power prayer let me just tell y'all i've had fun being the producer for <laughs> right this, for this
0: episode i appreciate it um i do want to say thank you thank you thank you to erica st bernard um she is an amazing christian counselor i'm going to throw a plug to her her email address is erica at yourlifeswell.com yay i got it right erica what to see? so if you have any questions for her or any questions for me or Keisha feel free to um, send us an email again our email address is podcast at gmail.com if anything in this conversation has triggered anything in you um, feel free to reach out to Erica not us Um, if you need to process (laughs) need to process what's going on um, and as always we want to just tell you guys the importance of really sharing your story with God because he will always hear you. He'll always be there. Um, He will always encourage you and be with you. So we're going to throw it to Erica to end us with the power prayer. So Erica.
2: Thanks for unmuting me. So one last thing I wanted to share, and I did get permission from the Mary and Martha podcast host to share with you another podcast that I think is super helpful and amazing. Um, Dr. Tama Bryant is an amazing psychologist based in California. Um, she has a podcast called The Homecoming Podcast, and it is where I have been blessed. She's a Christian clinician, um, not not solely Christian clinician, but she's a Christian clinician and does amazing work in trauma and um, all things culture and race and a whole bunch of other things she's also a professor at Pepperdine so she is amazing like the thebomb.com super lit and amazing in all those ways and so I hope that you will check out her podcast um, it's got some really really amazing content there and so I wanted to share that with you because that's where we pulled together that final theme um, coming home to ourselves because that's what she speaks of in each of the podcast episodes so I hope that you'll take a listen there as well as you listen to the Mary and Martha podcast because they rock all right If you would, again, steady yourself in whatever space you're in, you will comfy yourself in whatever way is comfortable to you. As again, I invite you to close your eyes or lower your gaze toward the floor or place your eyes on something that is inanimate, something that will not move, that will keep its space. And as you are invited to inhale deeply through your nose and exhale fully through your mouth. Inhale deeply to receive what you need. And exhale fully to release what you don't need. Inhale deeply the presence of God. And exhale fully anything that came up that made you uncomfortable or uneasy. And once more, I invite you to inhale fully and exhale completely. God, in your name, we thank you for your presence in our lives, for your presence is better than life. Your presence is nearer than our next breath. Your presence is everything we need. God, in the name of your son, Jesus, I pray a prayer of blessing over your daughters, those that are gathered here for this time of sharing, for this time of care, for this time of nurturing the parts of us that need to be nurtured in the ways that you knew we would need to be nurtured on May 9th, 2020. We thank you and praise you God for the gift of our story. We thank you for the gift of our ability to find our voice. We thank you that you are with us even as we search for our story or search for our voice. We pray in the name of Jesus that you will bless us, that we will indeed be mindful of our own humanity, that we will reclaim our humanity with you and through you. Help us, God, to see who we are, not just to see with our eyes, but to see with our heart. And not just to see with what the world tells us we should be looking for, but to see with the full knowledge that you love us just as we are. That you love us right in this place, right at this time. And I pray, God, that you help us to see our humanity and reclaim our humanity, that you will also help us to explore what it means to be courageous and all the ways we could be courageous, whether it is in the small whisper or in the lion roar. We pray in the name of Jesus that you will allow us to find and use our voice in the ways that matter most where we are in this season. And then, God, last but certainly not least, we pray that you will help us to come home to ourselves for some of us that means first coming home to you and so I pray for those who may not have a direct relationship with you they may have heard about you may have wondered about you but don't quite fully know you for themselves I pray God that you would allow them to get to know you personally and then for those who know you but have strayed away because of life because of hurt because of pain because of stuff because of disappointments I pray God that you would call them closer to you and that as they reach for you you would reach for them And I pray God that you will continue to bless us, cover us and keep us as we endeavor to live lives in such a way that you get glory. Help us to be strengthened in our knowledge of who we are and our knowledge of who you are, even as we share our stories. And certainly as we continue to do the process and do the work of journeying home, not just to ourselves, but also to you, that our lives might be sustained in ways that add value for days, weeks, months, and even years to come this is our sincere prayer and we make it by faith in the strong name addressed on Jesus Christ we pray amen
0: amen all right so everybody thank you so much for tuning in to another or the first virtual episode of the Mary and Martha podcast
1: remember we all have a part to play <laughs> in the yes. god so like the woman in mark 14:8 Do what you can. can. Thank you so much, guys, girls.